0: Is the Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMZ TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is the Talking Dead, number one hundred and forty-five, for Monday, February the seventeenth, twenty fourteen. It's family day here in Ontario. So, uh, happy family day, Jason.
1: Thank you, and happy family day to you and your
0: all, y'alls. Thank you. It is also President's Day in the United States, so happy President's Day to everyone down there. Oh, that's fancy. But those are not the days I want to talk about this time on the show. Those are not the days. No, no, they are not. I'm simply acknowledging that they exist, and I want to move on to a celebration that is coming up tomorrow that I think is appropriate... Uh, to almost everybody who is currently living. Okay. Tomorrow is single-tasking day. Single-tasking day, as opposed to multitasking day. Correct. From the internet, research shows that multitasking is really inefficient. Trying to focus on and hop between multiple tasks, duties, uh, sorry, multiple tasks dilutes focus, introduces delays, and makes things take longer to complete. Single tasking day, then, is about embracing one and only one task. Make a list, put it in order of priority, and get started on a task. And ignore everything else until you finish it.
1: That's, that sounds uh, extremely appropriate, because uh, just before the show, we were talking about what my work plans for tomorrow. And uh, I do believe my uh, work plans for tomorrow are, in fact, single-threaded and will be a, a, a single-tasking kind of day. Well,
0: while you're sitting there doing one thing at a time... Remember that it's single-tasking day, and uh, you've chosen an appropriate way to celebrate. So anyone out there who's got lots of stuff to do tomorrow, <clears throat> make that list, focus on one thing at a time, and you'll get more done in the end, is it's so they say, anyways.
1: Oh, yeah, and uh, I also read recently that uh, multitasking, humans' ability to multitasking, is a myth. We're able to uh, quickly context switch so we switch context uh, re- relatively quickly it's not really possible for us to
0: actually truly multitask i've read that too where if you're listening to music and you know writing a document or something at work you're actually switching back and forth between the two very very quickly you're not really doing both at the same time right so interesting so tomorrow's a single tasking day wouldn't you don't have to worry about it tell your boss i'm only doing one thing at a time today so leave me alone <laughs> Actually, no, you can't do that
1: because then uh, then you're, you're actually multitasking. So don't tell your boss <laughs> anything. Just kind of hide in the
0: corner and ignore everything. Don't even get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> Staying in bed is one task, and that sounds like a good one to me. <laughs> yeah, that sounds perfect. All right, before we move on, I, there's a couple things I want to do here in the A block. And the first one is to ask everyone to do me a favor, and if you have... Any issues with our website in the next little while, let me know. Any problems downloading episodes, you know, accessing the feed, anything like that. Something funny is going on with our site, and I haven't been able to nail down exactly what the problem is yet. But <clears throat> but um, but I want to know if anyone's having some issues, because, you know, if they are, I want to help you solve them. So, you know, it, just let me know. If you have any problems with the site, send me an email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and uh, hopefully we can sort it all out. Now, no one has really come forward yet, but I've noticed some things that are going a little funny, and I want to make sure that no one else is having problems. Right. You too, Jason. If you have any issues downloading these episodes, let me know. I I will let you know immediately. All right. Speaking of our website, don't forget there's also a new way to send us uh, voice messages. Now, I don't know if these two things are related or not. Hopefully they are not. But you can now go to our site and use the Send Voicemail button, which will pop up a little window and allow you to record yourself right on your own computer. We've had a few people do this already, and it's really great because the quality is generally better than what we get over the toll-free phone line. Mm -hmm. It's basically better than phone quality, which, as we all know, is not amazing. Um, But the few people that have done it, they've, they've peaked a little bit, which means they've overloaded and distorted a tiny bit. So, Feel free not to yell. You don't have to get your mouth right up to your microphone. It seems to be able to pick you up just fine. It gets a little bit of background noise too, but uh, better that than overpowering it. I say. Right. Or go buy a compressor. <laughs> yes, go out and buy a fancy microphone, a nice mixer, and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, get a compressor. I mean, it's it's go big or go home, right?
1: Sure, go, go spend a you know three four hundred dollars on equipment and then call us.
0: And th- right, right, great <laughs> idea. We'll get tons of calls then. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, it does give you the chance to listen back to yourself before you hit that send button. And I don't know if if it's recompressing it or anything like that. To be honest, but if you listen back and you hear that it's not great, feel free to try again. Right. And if you don't want to send it anyways, because you know better to get something than nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right couple of weeks ago, or was it last week? Yeah, it was last week. We announced our Record Your Favorite Walking Dead Scene Contest. Yeah. And we have got more entries now, but in case you missed that episode uh, from last week, what we're doing is asking people to record their favorite line or scene from any episode of The Walking Dead TV show that can be from seasons one through four. You can do a monologue. You can do it by yourself uh, or with friends. You can do it sort of serious, funny, however you want. It's it's up to you. It just has to be a scene from The Walking Dead. And uh, and uh, make sure you tell us, you know, who you are, too. If you're just, uh, if you're using the voicemail line, for example, I don't, I, I do get an email address for that, but good to let us know where you're from, too. Recording quality won't be a factor, uh, as I said, unless it's so bad that we can't recognize the, the scene. And uh, you can email it, you can use your phone to record, send it in, whatever. And uh, the deadline is March 31st, 2014 at 11.59 p.m. So, in case you missed all that, um, rewind and listen to it again. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny? What's funny? When a
1: single person's talking, it's called a monologue. When two people are talking, it's called a dialogue. When three people are talking, still a
0: dialogue, not a trialogue. You're right, but when Why two people are, when two people are talking, it really should be a duologue I think duologue dialogue or a, bio- a biologue <laughs> <laughs> I got my biologue going for the week <laughs> <laughs> um I'm gonna play two more entries that we have uh that have come in the first one is from friend of the show Adam, and he bent the rules just a tiny little bit, but I thought I'd play it anyways. Now, both of these are a little quiet, so I'll try to boost the the sound audio if I can, the level, Um, but if not, maybe turn your volume up just a tiny little bit. So here comes friend of the show, Adam. Let's get to
2: it. We're on Broadway. I once knew a kid. His tongue fell off in his sleep. La Bibida. Bibidum. La Bibida.
0: Okay. Do you recognize that scene, Jason? <sighs> no. <laughs> okay. It was from the um Bad Lip Reading, the Walking Dead Bad Lip Reading, where they overdubbed the governor with uh um, oh, right. other dialogue. <clears throat> so not really from the Walking Dead TV show, funny nonetheless.
1: It's still funny. That stuff, that stuff kills me. I love <clears throat> that when they do that. They've, they've done it for Star Trek. They've done it for the walk, Walking Dead. Uh, it's good stuff. It's very good Now, Jason,
0: are you ready for this next one?
1: Probably not completely fully ready, but uh, I'm ready
0: enough. Bring it on. Okay, this comes from Georgia in Melbourne, Australia. It's a little bit long. It's almost two minutes, but it's well worth it. Here we go.
2: Baby, I don't want you to be scared. Okay, this is what I want. This is right. Now you take care of your daddy for me, all right? Your little brother or sister, you take care of them. We are going to be fine. You are going to beat this world. I know you will. You are smart. And you are strong. And you are so brave. I love you. you got to do what's right, baby. You promise me you'll always do what's right. It's so easy to do the wrong thing in this world. So, so if it feels wrong, don't do it. If it feels easy, don't do it, alright? Don't let the world spoil you. Oh, you're so good. You're my sweet, sweet boy. Best thing I ever did. I love you. Sweet, sweet boy. I love you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay now. Okay. Maggie, when this is over, you're going to have to... You're going to have to do it. it can't be break. Alright. Alright, it's alright. It's alright.
0: There you go. That was awesome. <laughs> okay, so that was the scene. That was Laurie's monologue as yeah. she was just before she was going to give birth and and die uh, at the hands of Carl. And Georgia in Melbourne, Australia, nailed it. Yeah, that like, was awesome. Like, I think she was genuinely crying there, which is insane. Uh, like, who knew we had such dedicated... <laughs> People <laughs> listening and, and and people who could deliver such performances. I was uh yeah, I was very happy with that. That was uh that was exciting and very entertaining. It was incredible. So um get your entries in. We've got some really good ones already, obviously, with the one we played last week and that one, and there's a few more. So uh I'm gonna try to do one on every podcast. Hopefully we have enough for that, but uh send them in. You can send them to talking at gmail.com use the website use the phone line um yeah i hope to get lots and lots of really great ones like that so i'm starting to think this whole record your favorite scene idea was the best idea i've ever had you think so well if we're gonna get if we're gonna get quality of that level i i can't i mean it's just amazing
1: well good well you know the jury's still out on whether it's it's the best idea you ever had but uh, i think it's a pretty good idea
0: okay well pretty good idea All righty, Jason, it's time to get into our recap of Season 4, Episode 10. It's called Inmates. Are you ready? I am super ready. Super ready. Well, let's start. So we uh, pick up this episode. We are with Daryl and Beth running through the forest. So we're getting new. We're not going back to Rick and Michonne and Carl. We're getting an update on what's happening with the other characters. Now, Beth is narrating a diary entry that... She has written that it seems to come from the first day, or at least the very early days, at the prison. Mm -hmm. She's talking about something good finally happening, that they've found a prison and they have somewhere that they can live. And while she is narrating this diary entry, we get some sort of slow-mo shots of them running through the forest, fighting some zombies, and um, basically just trying to get away. As they flee the prison, and eventually they come running into a clearing, and just collapse to the ground, exhausted. And they look up and they see birds circling overhead. Right, vultures. Vultures, I guess, looking yeah. for something dead to scavenge.
1: So it was it was the juxtapos- juxtaposition of the you know, you know the the narration of we found someplace safe. It's going to be nice. We can grow crops. Uh, you know, we can really make a life for ourselves here. Uh, That juxtaposed with running away from the zombies and running for your life and collapsing in complete exhaustion and fear. And
0: uh, yeah, it was uh, quite poignant, I thought. It was. The voiceover ends with Beth talking about having hope and saying, we can live here, we can live here for the rest of our lives. That's true for a lot of people. Yeah, well, it is, but and, and that's what they thought at the time, but clearly not, because as you said, what we see and what we hear are two very different things. Now, I'll be honest with you, I thought this was a fantastic cold open. It was pretty good. They do, they've been doing some, some really good ones. Uh, last week was really great, and this one, I know there was a narration, but there was no, like, dialogue, no, you know, real sort of intra- speaking between characters, and they seem to do really well with these ones. And there was a really, really cool shot of, in slow motion, of them, uh, what was it, running, encountering some zombies. Beth tries to take a couple of shots, but her gun clicks is empty. Daryl, you know, bolts one in the head and then takes another one out. And then they even took the time in the slow motion to show him grabbing his arrow before they, they keep running and run away. Right. And it's just those kind of details that I think are amazing. I'm I'm glad well, they I mean, show us the fact that he gets his arrows back because otherwise he'd never have any arrows left, right?
1: Right. And that's one of the advantages of having a crossbow is that you know sometimes your your bolt is going to break, sometimes you're going to you're going to lose ammo, but if you're careful and if you're lucky and if you have the time, you can pick up your ammunition and reuse it whereas with a with a handgun or any kind of gun, really you can't. No. Once it's shot, it's uh, it's spent. You might be able to reuse the casing, but uh you got to make yourself some black powder before you can Shoot it again.
0: Yeah, so I just think it's cool, and it says I don't know. It's it, I think it's awesome the way Daryl, even in this like panicking moment, right? They're being attacked. They're fleeing. They're running away. He's still able to grab that arrow and and keep going. So, yep. Um, I I really enjoyed this cold open, but uh, they go to the credits, and when we come back, we have Daryl and Beth sitting around a campfire. It's now nighttime. He's looking totally dejected and just out of it, and Beth is is talking to him, saying they need to do something uh Beth thinks that you know other people have probably survived, but to me, it looks like Daryl has lost a little bit of hope here, yeah, he's sort of sitting there thinking, well, that's it, we're done, you know it's just us now. how are we gonna how are we gonna go on from here eventually though Beth decides that whether he wants to or not, she's gonna go and look for people, even if it means going out by herself which is just a terrible idea. When you're no, with just terrible. When you're with Daryl Dixon, stay with Daryl Dixon.
1: Yeah, well, you, <laughs> you know, know, if
0: I was with Daryl Dixon, I'd stay with Daryl Dixon. Absolutely I can guarantee that. Absolutely. Even when he's off his game, he's probably better at surviving and killing zombies than most of us. Right. So she gets up and leaves, walks into the dark middle of the night forest when I'm like, at least wait until the morning, woman, you know, when it's light out. <laughs> yeah. But she leaves, and eventually he gets up, and he follows her. So he's not going to let her go off on her own. Um, they It's now daytime. They're walking through the forest, and they come across some footprints. Beth takes this to mean that people are alive. And Daryl says, well, it means they were alive four or five hours ago. You don't know what's happened in the meantime. <laughs> he's so Debbie Downer in this episode. Well, he totally is, you know, but... I can't blame the guy. They just went through some serious shit at the prison. People yeah. died. People had to flee. They have nowhere to live anymore, and uh, you know it's it would be hard to keep going after that. It really would. And I, I you know, like we've often talked about, uh,
1: we'd be dead long before this uh, length of time ever occurred. Right. But uh, it's gotta be it's gotta be hard on the soul to continuously lose people and to go through uh, just this slog of life and never get anywhere, never get ahead.
0: And Daryl, too, you know, he uh, recently-ish, recently-ish, lost his brother. And And his motorcycle. (laughs) Oh my gosh, the motorcycle, that's right. But he's probably just kind of come to terms with that a little bit, having to kill his own brother, zombified brother. And then this happens, and he's like, oh, I can't, I can't do this anymore, you know? I just, I just want to sit on this log and never move again. Yeah. Um, which now that I say that reminds me of the way the governor was right after things didn't go that well for him. He was sitting there, remember, and that zombie was approaching him until Martinez came out and shot it for him. Yep. He he'd, It seemed like he'd given up, and it felt like Daryl had sort of given up a little bit here too. But it's Beth that pulls him back and says, we got to go and find some people. Yeah. So anyways, as they walk on, the camera pans down to some white fluffy stuff (laughs) on a log (laughs) that's down there. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm a moron, and I didn't realize what that was when I was watching it uh, at this time while I was watching it.
1: Well, no, and I, I don't think you're a moron for, for not knowing, because I didn't know, and I was watching it with my wife, and she didn't know, mm-hmm. and uh, not until later did we figure out what the heck that was. Right. So at this point, I wasn't sure what was on that log and why they were showing it to us. I think that uh, you know the main point was that we were supposed to acknowledge that there was something on the log, uh-huh.
0: and we needed to you know remember that for later. Right. Well, luckily I did, because yeah. when we get to it later, we find out what it is, Um. Now, the other thing I noticed here uh, is that Daryl's looking pretty rough. Like, he looks like he took a punch and he has a black eye or something like that.
1: Yeah, he's got uh, he's got some
0: bumps and bruises and scrapes and stuff. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you're in a, a big fight. But I don't remember him getting, you know, straight up punched by someone. Unless when that zombie came up behind him, you know, maybe the zombie took a swipe at his eyeball or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, he, he got punched by life. <laughs> yeah, a few times, I think. But he's not looking so great, so uh, everyone who's in love with Norman Reedus, let us know if you still like him with a black eye. (laughs) Oh, he's such a bad boy. I'm sure that uh, everybody just still loves him. Oh, that is true. That is true. Uh, They keep going, and she starts talking about, you know, Faith a little bit, Um, and uh, he makes a crack that Faith didn't do anything to help her father, Herschel. Right. That's not very nice. No, it it really isn't. But again, he's he's not so happy with life right now and Yeah, he's the Debbie Downer. (laughs) Exactly. They come across some dead walkers, and uh at this point I think um Daryl makes a note that there's not there's blood on one of the leaves, but it's not walker blood. I'm not sure how you know that.
1: Well, it's not it's blood, it's not decayed blood type
0: excrement from zombies. (laughs) It's not plasma or whatever. Um, while they're standing around there, another walker sneaks up on Beth and it almost gets her, but Daryl pulls it off, wrestles it to the ground and she stabs it in the head. Right. They were a really good team in that uh, that little fight. They were. It was, it was pretty cool. It was nice. I like to see little moments like that too, because, you know, there are only so many ways to kill a zombie and it's kind of fun to see not really a new take on it, but just something cool, you know? Well, how many ways are there to kill a zombie? Seven? Uh, Well, it depends what you have available to you. You know, if there are zombies and you still have, uh, say, a steamroller, that would be kind of a fun way to kill a zombie, right? But it's hard to find a steamroller when there's, you know, society has crumbled to nothing. I'm not so sure about that. They're pretty much everywhere. If you
1: look hard enough, you could find a steamroller. Fine. Fine. In the, the middle, it started the f- and <laughs> heat it up and
0: get in the water hot inside. Unless they autom- it's an automated process. I don't know. Uh, e- either way, though, I think it's it's tricky. Yeah. And they didn't have a steamroller, but they had. Paul Simon says there's fifty ways to leave your lover, but uh, <laughs> there's only seven ways to kill a zombie. I, I'm yeah. Was that part of the song? <laughs> uh, no, but you know that's, uh I fault Paul Simon for that. He should have added that in there. Yes, he should have.
1: Go back and listen to that song if you can. Do you know the song? I, I'm f- aware I'm of slip it. Slip out I... the back, Jack. You got to get a new plan, Stan. Yeah, okay. I know yeah. this. song. Go, go back and listen to it and listen to the drums. Steve Gadd was the drummer on that track. Mm-hmm. The mo- he is the probably the hands-down best drummer that has ever lived. And that track proves it. Really? Yeah. Go back and listen to it. All Phenomenal. Right. Phenomenal.
0: That's Jason's drumming tip for the day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Steve Gadd. Steve Gadd. All righty. Uh, what happens next? They are walking, they come to some train tracks, and they find some walkers eating some remains. Yeah, they're just chowing down, it's lunchtime. They are, they're eating some remains of people, they decide to kill them all, and, uh, as Daryl starts to walk away, Beth just breaks down and starts crying at the sight of all these dead people and walkers. Well, yes and no. Yes and no? There was a baby shoe. They're, okay, they did show
1: the shoe. I don't think... Well, it wasn't really proof of anything whatsoever, but that's what set
0: Beth off. Well, it, you're right. She looked at the shoe and then she, she broke down. But, what I mean, did you take that as that it was that spoke to her in some way? Like she think maybe that's Judith's shoe or something like that? Or Yes, that's what I assumed, that she thought
1: that it was Judith's shoe and, uh, and broke down because of that. I don't know. I sort of... Or... Or maybe it was just a baby shoe, which reminded her of Judith that she probably assumes is
0: now dead and uh, broke down. Right. You know, I am I can see that. But I, I I just sort of felt like it was more the whole scene that they came across, right? The, these people, these, these zombies had recently killed some people. They were still eating them. Then they had to come in. Like, they were too late to save anyone kind of thing. And I, I just felt like she was overwhelmed by the whole thing. But you're right. They showed the shoe— um, I didn't even think it was a baby shoe. I thought it was more of a kid size. Yeah, shoe. Yeah, it was a
1: toddler shoe. It wasn't like a baby, baby shoe. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it but you're right. Like I a mean... shoe that
1: would actually be used by some small person. Okay. And not like a baby shoe that, you know, is just there for,
0: oh look, he's got baby shoes on. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Because that's what you do with like a one-year-old, right? Hey, look, right. that you... baby has shoes on for no reason. <laughs> oh, look, Nikes. Isn't <laughs> yeah. that cute? And a leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. Um... Anyways, it was probably, I'm, I'm, I think it was an accumulation of stuff, right? She was just like, oh my God, look at this is horrible. I'm going to cry now. I think it was the little shoe. Okay. They cut to them at a campfire again, and Beth is using pages from her diary to start the fire or keep it going. Now, I couldn't really tell if these were blank pages from the little diary or they they were, were, huh? They were blank. Okay. So she wasn't burning actual written word that she'd put down. All right, blank, blank, blank pages. Yep. And she's narrating again, the scene. And uh, she's saying things that if the prison doesn't work, I don't know if I can keep going. Right. So back to that juxtaposition of being like, we're safe in the prison, everything's good. If this doesn't work out, you know, I'm going to lose all hope. I don't know what we're going to do. Yet what we're seeing is clearly that's happened. So do you ever, uh, do you ever
1: narrate your own life as it's happening? No, I just, you, for... you should, it's very entertaining. Like I I do that to entertain my wife every now and again, just narrate what you're doing. He gets up and goes to the kitchen for a glass of whatever and doesn't <laughs> find it in there. It's empty and all the dishes have to be put away. And it's just all those kind of stuff. It's, it's very fun. Do it. You are your kids so strange. I really am. But your kids will love it.
0: Oh, I don't know. I, they might for a few minutes. My wife will probably be like, what are you doing? You're an idiot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, But maybe that's worth it right there. I find it entertaining. Uh, do you ever give yourself a soundtrack for your life? Oh, yeah. I'm constantly singing. See? There you go. That's even better. I, I, I sing
1: to the cats. I sing to my wife. I sing to the toaster. <laughs> I'm constantly singing. Uh, it And a lot of times the narration does come with singing. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a
0: singing narration. Your life is a musical. Oh, it really is. All right. Well, that sounds fun. I don't know why you've never done that around me. Oh, it's private. <laughs> of course it is. It's private between <laughs> you, your wife, and all our listeners. Yeah. Um. So we go to commercial and we come back, and we're no longer with uh Beth and Daryl. We're now with Lizzie and Mika and Tyrese, and they're walking through the forest. So the answer to one of the big questions from the mid-season finale is now answered, and that is, is Tyrese with the children? The answer is yes. 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 And um, very soon, very, very soon, we get another answer to a question of, is baby Judith still alive? The answer to that is also yes. That is correct. So Tyrese was indeed running away with Judith in his arms. Yep. And still has her in his arms. That's right. And as they're walking, Mika is crying for Carol, wishing Carol was still there because, you know, Carol was like their mom. And, uh, but, but Judith, what do you think about Judith being alive and with Tyrese, Jason? I think it's a good thing. And I noticed right away she wasn't wearing those little
1: black shoes that, uh, we saw that set Beth off, in my opinion. So I knew that that actually wasn't, uh, you know, Judith dead in that pile of bodies.
0: Okay. But the shoe that was there, have we seen those shoes on, in the show before? Not. Not, not that I recall, no. Okay. Um... Yeah, I guess if Judith had one of those shoes still on, that would have been weird.
1: <laughs> well, I figured that uh, even if Judith was still alive, that uh, having Judith wear that shoe and then lose it and not die would would still be dramatic. Mm-hmm. But,
0: uh, you know, definitively, she's not wearing those shoes. So. True. But most importantly, she's alive. She is alive. They did not kill Judith off-screen. Tyrese has got her, as we all suspected. So my first adamant opinion that she died...
1: Uh was incorrect, but then my adamant opinion of her not dying is
0: now correct. So either way, you covered your ass. I really, really did. <laughs> They're walking along. We cut to nighttime, and Lizzie is there, and there's some rabbits in a log. And the camera kind of pans up from the rabbits, and she takes a knife down, looking to be about to carve them up. And, uh, this is of course the log that we saw during the Daryl Beth scenes, Mm -hmm. but it looks like Tyrese and the kids got here quicker and have already moved on. So they're following the same path and Lizzie is a rabbit killer. And they could have eaten those rabbits. I I know, but they seem to move on rather quickly. And did they take the rabbits with them? It's hard to tell. I don't think so. I think those were just, uh, uh, pre-serial killer killings. And does this also mean, definitively, that it was Lizzie that was dissecting the rabbit in the prison? In my opinion, yes. I hadn't thought about that, but now that uh, we cover that, yes, absolutely. And by extension, does it mean it's Lizzie who was feeding rats to the walkers at the prison? No. I I think it might. I I know that's one extra step. That's a little bit more of a stretch, but I think it might indicate that i completely agree that clearly lizzie was the one cutting up a rabbit in the prison and she's got some strange tendencies this little girl Mm -hmm. and but i think it's not that far of a jump to say okay she was obviously the one feeding rats at the gate right but you're right that's one step that we don't really can't really say 100 percent um yeah so we see her about to cut up the rabbits oh and then they have to leave because Judith starts crying and they hear walkers coming so they basically have to run out of there right uh, which is maybe why they had to leave the rabbit remains behind so they come to the spot that we saw previously with Daryl and Beth when they were talking about faith they're picking grapes there and the girls start collecting grapes Tyrese puts Judith down to start changing her diaper. She's crying loudly. <laughs> this is not a situation I would want to be in. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, for sure. Man, oh man. Um, a noise in the forest uh, startles Mika and she scratches Tyrese on the arm fairly fairly uh, badly. Right. And uh, Mika is scared by a bird. It turns out it was just a bird in the forest and she runs away. She basically just turns and runs. Uh, they go looking for her and they find her quickly enough but Tyrese tells her she did the right thing by running. Right. I got scared by a bird the other day. <laughs> you did. Did you run off into the forest?
1: No, but I was pulling out uh, a grocery cart out of a uh, at the grocery store out of a big mess of gro- grocery carts. You know that now they put them all together and you have to pick one out. Yes. We've all been in grocery stores. Yes. I, think I was so. pulling it out, and as I was pulling it out, like four or five birds flew out of the bunch of grocery carts. Wow. For some reason, they were nesting in there, and they flew off and scared the living bejesus out of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish that was on. I wish there was a, a security cam footage of that. Of I you didn't jump or make any visual motion
1: of it, but they scared they scared me. You didn't cower behind the cart? No, I didn't no, it was just oh, okay, let me clarify. They startled me. Okay. <laughs> Momentarily startled me. Oh, it still sounds like it would be funny though. But I wasn't, you know, if I was in a uh, post-apocalyptic uh, zombie type uh Apocalypse. uh,
0: I I believe I would run if I was startled rather than just go. Whoa, right Well, that's what Mika did and Tyrese says you did the right thing if you if you are scared you run away Right as they're talking they start to hear some screaming and Tyrese decides that it's a good idea to position the girls back-to-back with Lizzie holding the baby and Leave them in the forest so he can go and find out what's going on with the screaming He says I'll come back to get you, but if you stand like this, you can see all around. So uh if you see a zombie run. And he gives Mika a gun and says, "You can handle this. You're tough." Right. I I there are so many problems with this idea that <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. You
1: know. Well, you know, it's uh, you can't armchair quarterback this kind of thing when uh, when when there's something in motion like this. I mean, sure, not every decision is going to be the perfect decision. But
0: uh at least he's making decisions oh i i I get that, but we've i mean we've picked through some decisions made on this show before that seem insignificant compared to i think what Tyrese is doing here, leaving two young girls and a baby alone in the forest when you know there are walkers around to go off and investigate screaming <laughs> right you know i okay, mean here's a here's a baby and a gun. you stay here, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm gonna go look at the screaming, yeah. See you later. See you later. You know, I'll come back and get you, maybe. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's what he does. And Tyrese comes out to the train tracks, and he finds the people uh, being attacked by walkers. So he comes to these people, obviously before Beth and Daryl did, Mm -hmm. and they're still being attacked. So he engages to try and help out. Right, with his hammer. With his hammer, that's right.
1: Yeah, trusty hammer.
0: So... Mjolnir, whatever it is. Uh, Right. (laughs) Um, We cut back to the girls, though. Judith is crying, of course, which is not helping their situation at all. She's attracting zombies. Lizzie puts her hand over the baby's mouth and nose to try and get it to be quiet. Right, because that always works with babies. Uh, Yeah, always. Some walkers come out of the forest towards them. And Mika is trying to warn Lizzie, but Lizzie's in her own little world here and can't really hear what Mika is trying to say. Right. Um, Meanwhile, Tyrese doesn't manage to help any of the people. They are all killed, except for him. And then he hears a shot in the distance, which, you know, wakes him up and he thinks maybe I should go back and get my little girls. Right. and, And baby. But gun. suddenly, what? And gun. And gun, that's right. But suddenly, who appears behind him? Carol and the yeah, girls. Yeah. Finally. So Carol's back. How do you feel about that?
1: I feel good and I feel vindicated because I expected it. This soon? I
0: expected we'd get a few more episodes before Carol came back.
1: Well, I, well, I wasn't really thinking
0: I didn't think she'd be gone that that long, you know, 3-4 episodes max. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on, well, I was trying to think about what would, what would she do? Like, would she just try to go straight back to the prison and appeal to everybody else? Would she turn around and go the other way and, you know, never see her again kind of thing? Or would she stay close by and try to survive and maybe at the right time integrate back to the group? I don't know. But I just thought we, we'd go closer towards the end of the season before we saw Carol and it would be a bigger sort of surprise although this was a pretty good surprise for me yeah you you are incorrect in
1: uh, in your assumption of how long it would be before Carol returned
0: well obviously yeah so but I was glad to see her I was and you know she obviously helped helped the girls because that zombie was getting pretty close last time we saw them and I guess Carol showed up out of nowhere and saved them and brought them out to the train tracks And that baby was getting pretty smothered before she showed up. Oh, man. That, yeah, that was one of the, it was one of the more tense things I've ever watched on TV, I think. Yeah. You know, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe she is smothering a baby. She's suffocating that baby. I can't believe they're doing this. Yeah, I didn't believe it for a second. I didn't think that uh, they would actually kill a baby on TV like this. Well, okay, we've talked about killing the baby on TV a, a whole bunch. Yeah. And uh I was a little bit surprised to see her still alive, although not as much as I would have been, you know, right after the mid-season finale. But also I was like, you know, we've heard reports that they're going to do apparently one of the most shocking things they've done in the second half of this season. And I'm sorry, having a kid smother another kid, smother a baby would be pretty damn shocking. And it they don't really really would. They don't have to show it so much. They show her with her hand over her, stuff like that. But then they can cut away to some stre- weird, like, backwards angle or something. And then you just sort of maybe see the baby's legs stop moving or something. And that would be horrible, horrible enough, you know? All right. They killed a baby on MASH. The yeah.
1: final episode of MASH. I'm sorry. Should I go
0: with a spoiler alert here? That was well, 1984. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's funny. Somebody wrote in. Uh, one of our listeners wrote in, sent an email to me about that, saying that this wouldn't be the first infanticide on screen, because they did it on MASH, too.
1: Yeah, and this reminded me of that. I'd forgotten about that, you know, whole, the whole kill a baby on TV, they'll never do that. But, uh, you know, it was on the final episode of uh, of MASH, where uh, a baby was crying and giving away their position to the uh, uh, in the Korean War, and mm-hmm. uh, the baby was smothered.
0: Yeah. And I don't know, that just sounds like the worst thing ever to me. And I I really didn't want it to go there, The Walking Dead, but I thought they might. I thought they might do some sort of creative way around it. And, you know, just when we think Judith has survived and is going to remain with the group after we think she's dead, but, and then she really is dead. Like, I don't know. I was, I was all over the place watching this thinking, holy crap, I can't believe this is what, what's about to happen yeah um so what happens so just uh after carol shows up one of the guys who they were trying to save who's been bitten so he's dying he tells them to stay on the tracks and he says there's a place up the tracks that's safe right if they can just get there and uh they turn and leave and let him die yeah that was a bit weird like well
1: i understand that they had to leave that guy there because that was the guy that attacked uh Beth and uh, Daryl, right? Uh huh. So to, in the uh, yeah, so that was the uh, that was the guy that attacked Beth, and they had to they worked had good teamwork to kill him. So I understood that they had to leave that guy there, but it seemed out of character for Carol, like somebody bitten, and they know he's going to come back. I think that Carol would have taken care of him, put something through his brain, yeah, or at least waited till he turned and then kill him. Right. I, just leaving him there was uh, seemed a bit odd to me.
0: Yeah, I didn't really think about it in terms of Carol, but you're, I, I did think to myself, that's strange, that they're just going to leave him there. He's not even dead yet. They know what's going to happen. He's not going to survive. And they just turn and walk away. Like, yeah, they could have, I mean, they could have just put him out of his misery right at that point before they left, right? But they, they chose not to. Right. Um... So then the group is walking along, they're going along the train tracks, Carol shares some water and food with them, and Tyrese kind of says that he didn't see Carol get out, as in get out of the prison during the big attack, yep. and she says that she got back from her run with Rick just at the end of the prison attack, because she stayed out longer, and she saw Tyrese and the girls running into the forest, like running away. So she followed them, and she just now caught up, which I guess sounds like a plausible enough story. Mm -hmm. It certainly went over okay with Tyrese. And certainly wasn't the truth. No, definitely not, but I'm sure that'll come out as we move on. But they come to a sign beside the tracks, and the sign says, Sanctuary for all, community for all, those who arrive, survive. And then there's a location on the map marked Terminus. Right. So this, of course, relates back to that radio transmission that the gang heard in the car way back in the first half of this season. Those who arrive survive. This seems to be where... Well, this is clearly what the guy who uh, was dying was referring to. This is where you need to get to. And I went and looked up Terminus. And apparently Terminus was the original name for Atlanta, Georgia, because I think that's where the train track, trains ended or started. It was the, you know, terminal station kind of thing. Wow. And the map itself may have actually been Atlanta marked where it said Terminus. I'm not 100% sure about that. Right. But interesting, nonetheless, I thought. So we have a little bit more information about this community that may exist so the answers to questions are just coming fast and furious here we know that Tyrese got out with the girls we know that Judith is alive Carol has returned and we have a little bit of information on this safe community and and how it relates to that radio communication that is a lot of information in a 10 minute span we're getting a lot of info here that's it, though. We go to commercial, and we come back. We have Maggie sharpening a knife on a stone. She's with Sasha and Bob by a river. Sasha a Gerber wants knife. A Gerber knife, of course. Yep. <laughs> um, Sasha wants to stay there for the night because she thinks it'll be, uh, be safe. Um, but Beth insists on leaving to follow the bus and find Glenn. She will not Maggie. rest until she finds Glenn. You said Beth. You meant Maggie. Oh, sorry, Maggie. You're right. I wrote down Beth. That's why I said Beth. Right. (laughs) Clearly, I'm confused. The thing about... Writing it down was wrong. Yeah, obviously. The thing here is about Bob, I thought, is that he kind of looks happy to be here. You know? I I, think so. Yeah. Well, they even make a a comment about him smiling a little bit too much uh, because they're treating his wound. He got shot in the shoulder, I think. Yep. And they're treating it and they make a crack about him smiling. I don't know why he would be happy other than maybe he's no longer, you know, he's no longer slave to his alcoholism, maybe, because he's now forced to give it up.
1: Yeah. After a couple of hours? I don't think so. Well, that's...
0: It's a a bit odd. I don't know if I remember him
1: smiling per se, but he seems okay with what's going on. Maybe he's kind of sweet on Sasha.
0: (laughs) Maybe he just is happy to be on the road with a couple of hot women and uh (laughs) and that's it he's moving on you know he wants to
1: you know he wants to make camp for the night and uh stay warm
0: and stay warm make those cold atlanta uh georgia nights man
1: (laughs) yep it's just you know you need to stay warm you need to you know help each other out snuggle up
0: you know what i mean Yes, I do. So Beth has, uh, not Beth, Maggie is not interested in doing that at all. She leaves, basically, and they decide that they've got to follow her because they need to stay together. Right. And we cut to the highway, and we're focused on a sign that says, Hitchhikers may be escaping inmates. That's true. (laughs) Do you think this is a real sign? Yes. I've seen signs like this. They have signs like that on roads outside prisons. Yes, and I've seen them uh,
1: driving through Michigan, coming close to a state penitentiary. You'll see a sign like that. That is absolutely
0: true. Wow, I've never seen, I've never heard of that before. That's crazy. We don't have that kind of thing here in Canada that I know of. Well, you know, I don't spend a lot of time driving near state
1: or state penitentiary, penitentiaries like federal prisons or, you know, provincial prisons around here. I've gone by jails and such, but I don't see signs like that outside of
0: jails. That said, though, we do have other funny signs like, you know, watch for moose crossing the road and stuff like that. So, right, um, you know, but I thought it was an interesting sign. And the gang there is walking down the road. Sasha is talking to Bob about how they should be looking for food and shelter. And Bob kind of questions her by saying, yeah, but then what? I mean, yes, we need those things to survive, but I think Bob wants something more than just surviving. I think he wants a threesome. <laughs> is what's going on here. He's laying the groundwork for a threesome. <laughs> yeah, well, now that I think about it, maybe you're right, but yep. uh, that's it. He seems a little too happy considering what just happened. <laughs> well, yeah, he's happy at the prospect of what's, uh, you know, keeping warm. What he thinks might be about to go down. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. they are. they continue walking. They come around a corner to the bus. So look at that. They found the bus already, and everybody left on it. Are zombies. Right. So Maggie, of course, needs to know if Glenn is one of them. And so they try to let the walkers out one at a time to kill them. But of course, that doesn't work very well. Yeah. What did they think was going to happen? They're not just going to line up and slowly fall out of the back of the bus. They're going to push their way out and, you know, fall on top of each other, which is exactly what happened. Right. So they start killing them. Maggie kind of momentarily goes into some sort of rage slash fear or sorrow-induced trance, but she comes out of it just in time to slaughter some walkers. Yeah. And when they look at them all, no Glenn. No Glenn. He's not there. So Maggie goes into the bus, kills another zombie that's in there, but does not find Glenn, and then sits down on a seat and breaks down and starts crying. Right. Now, I need to mention something here, and that is that... I had a bit of an issue in the uh, in the scene where Beth started crying when they found when when over the shoe as you said. Right. I was not all that blown away by Beth's on by um, Emily Kinney's sort of on screen crying acting. No. And then I watched Lauren Cohan do it in this scene, and it was completely 100% authentic and believable. Yes. And when I watched her crying here on the bus, I projected back. To Beth and I'm like this is the difference between these two actors one of them is okay and doesn't an all right job but one of them is clearly trained and really really highly effective
1: I would agree with you I thought uh Emily Kinney's performance was a little lackluster just kind of uh, yeah it seems a little hammy but uh yeah yeah her performance uh when not finding Glenn was uh was very
0: very much better absolutely and it comes it probably just comes down to experience like Emily Kinney is a pretty new actress I'll I'll be honest I don't know I you know I can't say anything bad about her because generally she's okay she hasn't had any you know significant parts on this show she's been important at times but this episode she probably had more screen time than some you know entire other half seasons (laughs) right right and uh yeah she didn't for me, didn't quite hold it together. And this was the perfect contrast between Lauren Cohan doing such an amazing job and Emily Kinney doing an acceptable job, right? Right, yep. Um, anyway, so Maggie has broken down. We go to commercial. When we come back, Glenn, there he is. And Glenn is waking up on the blown-out prison bridge. Yeah. So what's he doing <laughs> there? How did he get there? Why isn't he on that bus like he was supposed to be?
1: Well, well, he was sleeping first of all. He so, was, you know, it's it's tiring doing
0: what uh, what Glenn does. Was he there when the bridge was blown up by the tank or did he like get there later? I'll be honest with you. I went back and watched that scene from the previous episode, or not the previous one, the one before, the mid-season finale, yep. when the tank exploded that bridge, and Glenn was not there. I was hoping... No, there... he, that, he
1: couldn't have been there, because he was lying right on the jagged edge of that thing, and if he was on
0: the jagged edge, he'd be part of the jagged edge. I understand that, but I was hoping that maybe just off in the side little bit, there's a little, you know, there's a figure there, or something that you'd never notice unless you were really looking for it. Kind of like way back in uh what was it season three when merle sneaks up on andrea and michonne at the helicopter right, you got crash out of the site. truck and went left yeah that's right you but and but they put that in there and you'd never notice it until you go back and you and you look for it right i was hoping there was something like that here where you could see somebody on that bridge maybe even for a split second um just as it explodes but no there was nothing there so no, he was in the prison. He came out and he saw the jagged edge of the bridge and he fainted. And he fainted. That's obviously what happened. Um, but uh, so what's happened? He wakes up. There's lots of zombies below him, of course, because everyone else has fled. The place is overrun with zombies. He screams for Maggie a couple times. No response, naturally. Right. Yeah. And then decides to go inside. He makes his way through the prison back to the cell block where his cell was, and he's clearly not still in the greatest of shape. He's still getting over that flu, I guess, but he makes it there without incident, which is good for him. He gets to his cell, he pulls some riot gear out from under his bed, which is right. also going to be very useful, I think. yep, then he lies down and he looks like he's going to pass out like he Go looks back like asleep, he... he's very tired, yeah, he's just going to take another little break, have another nap. His blood
1: sugar's way off is the problem here. He's just, you know, he's just completely done in. Mm-hmm. I
0: need a he needs a, he needs to eat an orange is what he needs. He does, but those are hard to come by yeah. these days. Um so it looks like he's going to fall asleep until he sees the picture of Maggie that he took in the Fornication Tower. Right. So that pretty sleepy picture. That's right. That picture has now come back and neither of them are dead like we suspected. So he grabs the picture. He gets up. He has a renewed resolve, I think, to keep going and to survive and save himself. He grabs Herschel's watch, which Herschel gave him, and he gets more supplies. He fills that orange backpack with stuff. Yep. And uh, he grabs Bob's bottle of booze, which is lying on the floor before he leaves. Yeah. Bob's bottle of booze. (laughs) Bob's bottle of booze. So he comes busting out of the prison wearing wearing the riot gear now. He basically jumps into a huge crowd of zombies, gets surrounded by them, but somehow pushes his way through. Yep. Which seemed to me might be kind of tricky to do when you're still recovering from the flu, but I don't know. I guess he I guess he had some that photo of Maggie really really got him going, I suppose. He's got the deep down anger. Maybe he found an orange and found his second wind. (laughs) He must have because he's really surrounded, but he busts his way out. And we get a point of view shot from uh, Glenn out looking out through the right gear mask. What did you think of this this sort of technique?
1: Well, I think that uh, it's the Terminator technique, right? When we see the Terminator's point of view. He's the Terminator now. Glenn is the Terminator. And eventually he'll get to the Terminus.
0: Oh, well, see, it all comes together then, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it
1: all just makes sense when you think of it that way.
0: Well, he starts running, and he sees Tara. Remember Tara? I do. He sees Tara sitting inside one of the gates, just sitting there, not knowing what to do. He, he goes to leave and run away, but then he stops, and he turns back, and uh, we go to a commercial. When we come back from the commercial... We're still with this pair, so we don't change to new characters this time, which we have done at every previous commercial break. Right. So Glenn goes to Tara, he takes her gun, and he realizes that she didn't take a single shot during the assault. Not really sure how he can know that, but... The gun's fully loaded.
1: It's got all the
0: rounds in the chamber. He pulled the magazine out,
1: right? You're right. And the, the, yeah, it's fully loaded and, you know, probably cleaned.
0: So it hasn't been fired. Right. And he realizes that. Oh, okay, you're absolutely right. Um, but she's feeling guilty and questions uh, why Glenn, you know, would would come back to help her kind of thing. And he says he doesn't want her help. He needs it. And uh, he grabs, he takes the booze and he uses it as a Molotov cocktail to distract walkers so that they can run away. Does that work with booze? Um, or do you need like gasoline I know it works with
1: gasoline but uh, does it work with actual alcohol
0: well I mean alcohol will burn but I don't know if there's enough content alcohol content in something like that to actually sort of explode now it didn't really explode that much all it did was crash on the hood of a car and burn a little bit so I don't know do you think
1: it's legal to make a Molotov cocktail in Canada I
0: doubt it I doubt it too but there's, Jason, there's only one way to find out. Um, what? Create a Molotov cocktail and walk into a police station? No. <laughs> walk into the middle of Young and Dundas Square, which is our feeble attempt at something like Times Square in Toronto. Right. Yeah. And stuff a rag into a bottle of booze, light it on fire, throw it up in the air, see what happens. Yeah. You'd definitely get arrested. <laughs> and then they would tell you whether that was legal or not.
1: Or maybe they would tell your uh, immediate family after they've shot you a couple of dozen times.
0: Yeah, that's a possibility too. Hey, either way, you'd know, though. No, you wouldn't. Your family might. (laughs) Yeah, they might. (laughs) So don't try that at home. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, So they run out of there, Tara and Glenn, and as they're running, she gets a few good headshots in. So now she's okay to fire her gun, but they make it out of the prison gates seemingly safely. We cut to them by the same road sign, the inmate's road sign, and uh, Tara says that Lily got swarmed in the field. Right. So I don't think we're going to see Lily again. She's done. You think so? Well, if she was swarmed by zombies in the, in the prison field, in the prison yard, she's yeah. probably not coming back. You know? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. You never know. Um She also mentions that Herschel was killed, or she says the old man, was killed by the governor. And Glenn didn't know this. No. Was his name Herschel? It didn't occur to me before this scene that Glenn had no idea. He didn't really know what happened out there, right? No, he didn't. That, and he didn't see Herschel get his head chopped off. Um, So you know, he says, Glenn says he needs Tara's help to find Maggie, and he refers to Maggie as his wife, which I thought was cool. That is cool. And, uh, he also reveals that he got off the bus before it left to, um, to try and help, to try and help with the attack on the prison. And, uh, so, I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed with this. Not, I mean, just that it felt sort of convenient to have him get off the bus off camera and that and and they never showed it right you know what i mean it's it felt like they needed glenn to be somewhere other than where he was and they thought let's just have him get off the bus then we can do anything we want
1: right and then later on they'll give uh when glenn dies what they'll do is they'll give him a brain transplant into somebody else <laughs> that way that he can still be around
0: exactly right not on the bus because they don't like him on the bus. Brain transplant because they don't like him dead. Right. So. Or they'll
1: give somebody else a brain transplant into uh, into Glenn's body so that uh, they don't have to change actors.
0: <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> yeah. It'll be Freaky Friday on The Walking Dead. Oh, that's a good idea too. Where they switch bodies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're chatting away and some walkers come out of the forest and together they kill them, but I guess the exertion is too much for Glenn at this point and he collapses and passes out. Right. So again, I guess he's still kind of tired. He's still sleepy. He's been very sleepy lately. He has. Another walker comes at Tara from behind. She knocks it off, squishes its head real good. Just as she's doing this, a military truck drives up. Yeah. Outsteps three characters, and they kind of strike a pose, and the episode ends. Yeah. So that is it. Now... Comic spoilers, everybody, coming up right now regarding who those characters are, in case you were worried about that. Right. Readers of the comic will know that this is Abraham, Eugene, and Rosita. And if yeah. you've been listening to this podcast and not turning it off when we when we talk about future characters, you know that we've already discussed kind of who they are and, and what they're doing. I was a little surprised to see them already, again, like I was surprised to see Carol so soon again. I thought we would introduce these characters at least three or four episodes into the back half of this season, but no, right? they're already here. Um, and the, the fun thing here is the final shot of the episode with them, the three of them standing there, is almost identical to the cover of issue number 53, which introduces these characters. Nice. Abraham is in the middle holding his gun up. Rosita's on one side, you know, with her hand on her hip. And Eugene is on the other side with the radio in his hands, just like that. So they did a nice job of translating that from the comic to the screen. So uh, where it goes from here, who knows? But now these characters are going to somehow intermingle into the group and provide uh, alternate storytelling options, (laughs) (laughs) I I guess. (laughs) Right. Um, so what did you think about this episode on the whole, Jason? Enjoy it? On, on the whole, I liked it. I thought it was, uh, it was well done. I thought, uh, we got a lot of
1: information. I like the fact that, uh, none of the, uh, individual storylines met. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I kind of like that. I thought, uh, I thought they would all meet up at the end, similar to the last episode where, uh, Michonne met up with, uh, Rick and Carl. Uh, this one, nobody met up. Which mm-hmm. is nice. So I, I really liked that. I thought uh,
0: I thought overall it was a really good episode. Yeah, I agree with you for the most part. I think it was really good. I liked how they wove the stories together, though, without actually bringing them together. Right, location wise. Right, location yeah. and event wise, we could see what
1: event followed what event and where it happened. Yeah, I agree.
0: I think it was one of the better sort of storytelling episodes that this show has uh, has ever done. Actually, you know, they it was it was a cool technique to show the same locations at different points from different perspectives and you don't get that very much on this show because generally it's a big group of people right or multiple groups of people but totally separate like when we had woodbury and we had the prison going so yeah i i enjoyed it quite a bit now having said that there was one one of the segments that didn't work very well for me and that was the maggie one looking for glenn on the bus really yeah, the problem with this is that in the in the previews for this episode, they revealed to us the viewer that Glenn is alive. Right. So, Maggie for, you know, 10 minutes within this episode is looking for Glenn, thinking he's dead, going to the bus, yet all the while we as the viewer know, well, he's not there and he's not dead. So, it kind of took all of the tension out of that portion for me.
1: I I didn't know about those previews, right? I didn't. I think never you watched would. those previews. I didn't know that they showed Glenn in the previews, so
0: the tension was still there for me. But, I didn't know if he was alive or dead. But did you actually believe that Glenn would be killed off screen? Like you did? Oh, good lord, no! Right. So e- even if you hadn't seen him in those previews, and you d- and you knew he was, and you didn't know he was there or not there, like even that you would have to think, well, Glenn's not dead. I mean, they're not going to kill Glenn. If they do, it's not going to be in this kind of dismissive sort of way where we don't even see it. It's going to be a big death. So right? is there any real tension in these scenes of her looking? He's not, you know, maybe he's on this bus. I don't know, but I don't think so. And it's safe to assume that he's okay somewhere. So, you know, with the other ones, with death and death, With Daryl and Beth. (laughs) Hey, there's a good couple name. (laughs) Put them together, it's death. Uh, You know, they're just trying to survive and deal with the aftermath of what's just happened, right? Yeah. And so that's good, and it worked really well. With Tyrese and the girls, that was the best segment, in my opinion, because it was so tense, and you didn't know what was going to happen. You're like, oh my God, the baby is there. Oh my God, Carol is there. Like, so much cool stuff happened during their segments, and it was really, and it didn't depend on anybody else right they were just like let's get the hell out of here what are we gonna do we're in a bad situation and then uh um with the Glenn one it came at the end so it was kind of cool and it was him fighting his way out of the prison he hadn't even left yet but with Maggie you're like uh, oh, well she's she doesn't the character doesn't know this but we all know Glenn's okay so so how do you feel
1: about uh, that situation, knowing that Glenn was still alive? And even if you didn't know Glenn was still alive, you'd assume that they wouldn't kill him off in this way. Yep. And so you, uh, that didn't have the, the, the tension that it, was, that it was meant to have. That's how I felt about Lizzie smothering the baby. I didn't think that that baby was going to die. I didn't think that they were going to kill that baby in that way. I didn't feel any tension there whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's still, you know, I could, uh, with willful suspension of disbelief, I knew the tension was there. And when Maggie went into that bus, and uh, I, I I, didn't know if that was Glenn or not. And so I felt that tension. Hmm. So... uh you know, and and I didn't think that they would uh, kill off Glenn off screen, but I thought they might show him as a zombie, and that would pretty much definitively say that,
0: uh, you know, Glenn is dead. No, but it, they didn't. It would, and uh, if Glenn dies someday, maybe they will show him as a zombie. But, no, it's—the thing is, with the baby, like, you kind of—I kind of expect the baby to die at some point. I don't expect her to go on forever, and— Again, I've never seen a young girl smothering a baby on screen before, so this was new territory for me, and I thought, what the hell? Like, you know, just the fact that they're running through zombie-infested forest with a baby who won't shut up, and, you know, two little girls and one adult, like, this is the worst situation that you can probably be in, and it really, really got to me. But with the Maggie and Glenn thing, I, I just thought it needed to be either way shorter... Or somehow focus on Bob and Sasha more than what Maggie was trying to do. Right. You know, but they didn't. They went with Maggie because she's the bigger character. And, you know, I mean, it's totally realistic that she would go looking for Glenn. She's like, he was on the bus. I need to go find that bus and, and get back to him. I don't fault them for that. It's just that it some of the teeth were... Some of the bite was taken out of those scenes for me just because I sort of knew that, you know, well... He's okay, so why are we watching this? Right. Um, well, that's, that's too bad. Yeah, I mean, stop over- watching TV. Yeah, I, I guess I should. Overall, yeah. though, the episode I, I think was generally really good, and I liked it quite a bit. So I, it's it's a smaller thing. You know, three out of four segments, really, really great. One not as good. That's how I feel right. about it. Right. Um, but let's talk about Lizzie and the baby a little bit just before we move on. A lot of people on the internet and who wrote into us and so on are are going on about the crazy look in Lizzie's eyes when she was smothering Judith. So do you think, Jason, Lizzie was, you know, is, is really not right in the head? And was she trying to hurt the baby? Or was she a naive kid who was panicking and trying to get this baby to stop making noise? I think she's a budding serial killer, and at that point,
1: I don't think she meant to want to harm the baby. I don't think it was her desire to to, to hurt the baby, but the uh, the dark passenger wanted to kill that baby. <laughs> her dark passenger was in control at that point, and just the uh, the desire to, to cause the harm was overwhelming, and she would have killed that baby if Carol hadn't, show, hadn't shown up
0: yeah i I agree with that for sure. I think she would have smothered that baby to death um but the fact that they kind of showed Mika sort of yelling at her, but Lizzie was so focused on the baby she couldn't even hear her and uh, people are saying like the look in her eyes you could just tell that she was she was she's a psycho and she's not a regular little girl. And uh I can kind of see that too. You know, they're really setting up Lizzie here to be just a complete whack job. Oh yeah. And I think we're gonna get more into that as this season you know, goes on and concludes, but uh yeah, it's it's quite something. I I I don't know. I I'm I'm with you. I think she really would have killed that baby, whether she sort of meant to, you know, in her conscious mind or not. She was, she was going to smother that baby to death. And I think this does confirm that Lizzie is, you know, out there. Right. To put I it I think nicely. the, uh, the desire to kill and the desire and the
1: need to kill took over her, uh, her rational portion of her brain that, uh, was to keep the baby safe. Right. So, yeah, it was just, uh, hey, here's the situation I can't stop.
0: Yeah. I mean, my first thought though was just like, she's a kid. She doesn't know what to do. She's been left in the forest and they're about to be attacked by zombies and she's panicking and she's like, what else can I do but put my hand over this baby's mouth? Um, you know, which in a moment of panic might be something that someone does, right? Because you're afraid for your life. I'm not necessarily sure of that. When the op- when there's an
1: option to run, you run. Uh, and I think that that would be a natural instinct. I think killing a baby is probably not a natural instinct for a lot of animals. No, that's humans. So there is, you know,
0: lions eat babies all the time. (laughs) Right. But what I'm, what I'm saying is a panicking, someone who's genuinely panicking is not thinking rationally, right? They're not thinking straight. And it doesn't help that Tyrese just told them like two scenes ago that when you are in trouble, you run, you did the right thing, you run away. Right. But when someone's actually panicking, um, and not just, you know, a little bit upset, you aren't thinking rationally. So what I was saying is, especially if you're a nine, 10 year old person, right? You might panic. You won't know what to do. You might actually do something like that because you think it's your only option at that moment. But you're right. It takes, it's pretty severe to, uh, smother a baby rather than just run away. So <laughs> yeah, no,
1: you know. I think she's uh she's a little budding psychopathic homicidal maniac. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be quite the storyline
0: going forward. We're going to get into it. Yeah. Okay, so pretty good episode, if you ask me. I like this one more than uh, than the first episode. Um it was pretty good. Not a lot more, because I, like, I did like the Carl and uh, uh, Rick story from the previous episode, but I think this one was a little bit better just because it involved everybody. It had some really cool stuff in it, so... Uh, hopefully they just keep getting better and better from here, Introduced right. some new characters or tease them anyways, and, uh, had some really good storytelling techniques. So mm-hmm. good episode. Let's take a quick break. And after that, we will do, holy crap. Did you see that? Who sleeps in
2: best when you've got the sunrise? Wasting time, watching infomercials live on Channel 9. Us and Billy Mays, nowhere else to ride. Stealing blankets and sleeping in a pile. They made the
1: sunrise for people like us. So we have an excuse as to why we're still alive
0: For the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial, so you have a check, an opportunity to try out the service. And of course, as usual, we like to recommend a book for everyone to get started. And Jason, that's generally your department, so what have you got this week?
1: I'm going to recommend a book that I read way back when, and this goes with the uh, last week's uh, recommendations of some old-school sci-fi. This is a book called Titan. Titan. Uh, by John Varley, back in 1970-something. 70s sci-fi is just awesome. I love 70s sci-fi. The, uh, the premise of this book is they find one of the uh, the moons of Jupiter? Damn it. Titan. Anyway, Titan's one of the moons of some planet out there. It's either Jupiter or Saturn, I forget. Uh, anyway, they discover that, uh, that the it's not actually a moon. It's sort of like a halo. You know, remember Halo, the video game Halo? They have this thing that's a halo? Yes. It's sort of like that. A spoked wheel that's spinning, and uh, they go to it, and it's
0: weird and wonderful. That sounds exciting, Um, and you have to read the book to find out which planet in our solar system it's orbiting. (laughs) Yeah. At any point in the book, does anyone say, that's no moon? <laughs> that's no moon. That's a space station. <laughs> that's a spinning spiked halo wheel. <laughs> Saturn. Saturn is orbiting Saturn. All Titan right. is the moon of Saturn. Titan by who? John Varley. Titan by John Varley. If you want to check that out, which I think would be a great idea, head over to audibletrial.com slash talking dead. That's audibletrial.com slash talking dead for a free audio book that's yours to keep even if you don't continue your service with audible so audibletrial.com/talkingdead give them a try
1: Did you see
0: that? All right, it's time for Holy Crap Did You See That from this most recent episode of The Walking Dead. Jason, who is going to start this week? You you is going to start. I am going to start. This first one is an email from Jeff in Phoenix, Arizona. Jeff says, My Holy Crap Did You See That moment was when Google notified me that a new episode of The Walking Dead was available. Interesting. Interesting. Without the AMC channel, my wife and I streamed the episode a day later. You might think Mr. Miles, that'd be you, had handpicked the thumbnail used for the episode because before you even start the show, you're given two huge spoilers. And he sent a screenshot in, and the screenshot in the alert that he got showed Carol holding Judith with Tyrese. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, spoiler alert
0: come on <laughs> seriously i i feel bad for you jeff that that is really really poor and now it's probably some automated computer system that that chose that screenshot right Just, oh i
1: doubt it it was some schmo going oh, who cares a walking dead whatever pick up an image from the middle of
0: the episode it's like that's fine always put a baby on screen because people like babies you know that kind of thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> well pretty bad pretty bad that's
1: funny Yep. All right. So we have an email from Angie, uh, the Midlands, formerly uh, Birmingham. Yeah. She a, she said that she, we should we can go with a, a variety of different things. Uh, the Midlands is one of them. <laughs> all right. The Midlands it is. And the most holy, uh, the most epic holy crap of all, Abraham. How effing off awesome do they look? Please, 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 Gimple, don't fuck it
0: up like the governor's story arc last year. Uh, the funny thing I think here is the first f bomb she abbreviated to effing, and the second one she decided <laughs> not to at all.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that is funny. But it 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 makes the second one more poignant, I believe.
0: That's true. It does. Don't fuck it up. Yeah, that's really all I can ask for. You know, with all the TV shows I watch. Yeah. Uh, all right, Kevin on the internet wrote in. My holy crap! Did you see that? Is when Daryl and Beth kill the zombie as a team. Daryl holds up the zombie and badass Beth stabs it in the head. Yep. Stab me wa- in the head. I didn't want to get into this too much in the recap because I, I, I knew this was coming, but I agree. It was very, very cool because he pulls the zombie basically away from her, falls down, and then, you know, she, get, she has her knife out. So he takes the zombie, rolls onto his back, pulls it up on top of him, and kind of gives her a clean shot to the head. I thought it was very, very cool. They were quite the team. They were. Uh, Death. Death. Death, that's right.
1: (laughs) All right, so we have an email from James in Pittsburgh, PA. Holy crap. Maggie just went street justice on those walkers. As if the assembly line of destruction wasn't enough, smashing a head against the bus before stabbing it is putting her in the
0: running for kill of the year. That's right. So she took one of those zombies and just bashed it into the side of the bus a few times. And, you know, mashed his face in enough, softening it up, I suppose, so she could stick a knife in its ear and put it, put it down for good. Smart. It was a cool one. Yeah. Connie in Connecticut writes, Lizzie is effed up. Another F-bomb abbreviation. Yep. She almost killed Judith and I think she liked it. Great timing, (laughs) Carol. (laughs) Yeah. And I think she liked it. (laughs) I think so too. All right, so we have uh, an email from
1: Tyler in St. Ives, the UK. Holy crap, did you see those useless survivors die by the train tracks? Imagine making it years into the apocalypse just to die out in the open when faced with only a few walkers. How come everyone outside
0: of our main cast is terrible at surviving? It's a good question. I mean, maybe they just got lucky, and they've survived for this long, and then they were walking along, and suddenly they're like, "Uh uh-oh, what do we do now? And they got yeah. eaten. Yeah, they or, just got uh, they just fell asleep at the switch. Yeah, that can happen. That's the danger with zombies, right? You're just you you take your focus away for 1 minute and before you know it they're all over you. That's the problem. Yeah. The other thing is maybe these were just especially agile zombies because when Tyrese got there, there were still lots of zombies alive and he was hammering them pretty good, yet he didn't manage to save anybody. It was ninja zombies. Well, that would be bad because you don't see you don't see or hear them coming no they're very sneaky they are all right so uh kara from down there always to the left and down some more not too far because that's new zealand right says my omg did you see that judith and then carol but all that paled in comparison to lizzie enjoying smothering baby judith i think she liked it <laughs> i think so and uh thank you cara uh, i said i would read where people are from as they wrote it and that's what she did <laughs> yeah i have friends that moved to new zealand i uh
1: always wanted to go visit them yeah all right
0: so we sorry go ahead uh, nothing go it's always to the left down some more not too far because that's new zealand right so there you go <laughs>
1: All right, so uh, so we have a bunch of emails uh, around the same kind of topics. We have Gemma from the U.K., Mark on the Internet, David from North Carolina, Sarah in Mission BC, and many people on Facebook. So this one's from uh, Sarah in, in Mission BC. Uh, holy crap, Carol is back. But I have to wonder, when she found the girls, did she see Lizzie smothering Judith? If so, does she now see Lizzie as a problem, a threat to them? And I wonder if she'll treat this threat as the same as the threat Karen and David posed and take Lizzie out or maybe do what Rick did and send her away on her own.
0: Fascinating question when you think about Mm. it. You know, um, Carol uh, supposedly killed Karen and David because they were infected and she was trying to um, stop the spread of the infection in the prison. And she took these girls under her wing a little bit. But if she walks up and sees one of them, you know, smothering a baby and liking it, does that change the way or do anything to the way Carol sees these kids? And if she's willing to kill people because they're sick, I mean, what's she going to do now?
1: I don't think she saw Lizzie smothering the baby. She (laughs) came in uh, towards, uh, what's her name? Mika, Mika, she came in towards Mika. So Mika probably yelled out Carol. And as soon as Lizzie heard that, she probably stopped smothering Judith.
0: So I don't think Carol knows. You know, I would tend to agree with you. And the other thing is, this is a pretty intense situation that she's walking into, right? She's going to be, with zombies that close, she's going to be laser focused on those zombies and trying to protect them from them. She's not going to be focused on exactly what the girls are doing. In that sort of panic situation, right 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 right, right, so you're you're probably right, she, Carol probably just didn't see what was going on, and Lizzie's you know psychopathic behavior is going to be revealed slowly over time to everybody right, rather than all at once like that <clears throat> all right, this comes from Sarah on Facebook. she says, "Holy crap, Glenn is such a badass." dives into a herd, saves the girl, and finds Abraham. Glenn is my new favorite. Also, holy crap, Terminus. What the hell is that place? Holy crap, great episode. (laughs) Glenn's Terminator. He's
1: the Terminator now. I guess so. All right, so what do we got going on here? We got uh, Anthony from Independence. What's MO? Missouri. Missouri. Sorry, I don't know my state abbreviations as well as my provincial abbreviations. Guys, is the orange backpack that Glenn had the same orange backpack that the hitchhiker had when they left him to be eaten by the walkers? I guess it's the, did you see that moment for me? I would say it is the same backpack. It absolutely is the same backpack.
0: Yep. And uh, I'm glad that that backpack is playing a bigger part in the show because, you know, why take it if you're just going to empty it and throw it away? I'm just wondering if it's cursed. (laughs) It's a cursed backpack?
1: Well, yeah, so sort of uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. You remember, do you ever watch that movie? No. Uh, there's a pair of boots in there that uh, people keep getting from the the dead bodies of the previous owner, and uh, whoever gets the boots dies. So I'm just wondering if the backpack is cursed in a similar way, but I don't think it is because um, Carl survived, and he had it. When did Carl have it? Car- Carl picked it up, and then it showed up in the... Uh... When he was packing at some point. You well,
0: pointed it out that it was the same backpack. Right, but they, they picked it up from the hitchhiker who obviously died because they yep. left him there to die. Yeah. Uh, no, he was dead when they picked it up. That's why they took it. Um, that was after they left him on the road. And then they took it back. And I think the other scene we saw it in was them unpacking it at the prison, did we not?
1: I thought it had something to do with Carl. Carl was using it for, I think, when he had to go into the other section during the sickness. Mm -hmm. He had to pack a bag,
0: and I think the backpack showed up at that point when he went into healthy quarantine. You may be right about that. So, okay, but no, I don't think the backpack is cursed. All right, but if Glenn dies while wearing the backpack, it could be. It could be. I don't know. We we'll see. For certainly was cursed for the first guy who had it. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy. Uh, All right. Well, it's the same backpack. And finally, Chuck from Chesapeake, Virginia says, My H-C-D-Y-S-T was the video game sequence. Glenn finds upgraded armor, then health in the form of baby food and power bars, a knife, a lighter. His inventory backpack seems to have gotten quite large. Then we switch from third person to first person as he pushes his way through the zombies. If only he had to jump across the remains of the bridge that he woke up on, it would have incorporated a platform scroller. (laughs) I loved this sequence because it was Glenn going back to scavenger mode. That was pretty good, and I thought for sure he was going to have to jump over that gap. Me too, but I thought he was going to do it right when he woke up. Yeah. There was a shot when he was, from his perspective, kind of looking around after he yelled for, uh, maybe before he yelled for Maggie, And it shows him looking down at the zombies and then kind of up at the other side. And it didn't look that far, but you don't want to take a jump like that when there's a pool of zombies below you, just in case you don't make it. Well, yeah. And And that's the danger. It really is. Yeah. And uh, that's why that they, they put that kind of thing in video games. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's an interesting kind of point here that Chuck makes about this being like a video game where he found all his supplies, he got his better weapon, you know, and then he had to jump into a uh, swarm of zombies and get out safely. Yep. And we had that first person shot and he could not see through that visor very well, eh? No, it was very dirty and uh, not very usable. No, but I mean, I guess it protected him enough to get through, so um thank you everyone for sending those in if any more come in over the next couple of days we'll read some more on our feedback show on wednesday night and uh that's gonna do it for this podcast anything else about this episode mr miles uh not that i can think of cool well it was better than the first one so let's hope they continue the upward trend and by the end of this season we'll be watching like the best thing we've ever seen on tv that'd be great that would be really really cool I'm right there with you. In the meantime, if you want to get in contact, you can do so at 1 866 483 9662. That is our toll free zomb line. We're on Twitter at Talking Dead, although a better place to find us is Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. I must admit, Twitter has become almost useless for me because too many people think our at Talking Dead uh, Twitter account is is the twitter account for amc's show we should just go ahead and sell it to them hey i would love to do that <laughs> you know make some money to keep the uh the podcasting flowing that would be that would be great i'd you know that'd be fine if they approached me and said we want to roll a or drive a dump truck of money up to your house for that twitter handle i'd say sure drive that dump yeah. truck into my house
1: or retire either oh. way <laughs> yeah
0: well i don't know um, $5 million and we'd walk away from that, uh, that Twitter handle. What do you think? Uh, yes, absolutely. But we would continue to do the podcast. Oh well, yeah, of course. Wouldn't retire from the podcast. That's never going to no, 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 retire from life, not the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we could podcast all day long if we had that kind of money. Oh yeah, that'd be great. All day long, every day. Um... So that's Twitter, that's facebook.com slash the talking dead on the Facebook, or of course email the Talking Nope, Talking Dead Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks to people who have recorded their favorite scenes and sent those in. Please, please keep doing that. I am super excited to hear more of them. And I really get a kick out of playing them on the show. So uh let's let's keep those coming if we can. Uh buy shirts, talking slash shirts. And if you really want to help out, do all your shopping at amazon.com. But first, go to amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com, and uh, a little cut will come our way. So we'll be back on Wednesday evening with feedback. Send that in over the next couple of days, and we'll read it on that show. And until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.